Salutations, listeners. You're listening to another episode of the Dr. Jazz Podcast, and I'm your host, Nathan Holloway, your doctor for jazz. And it is our mission here at the Dr. Jazz Podcast to cure whatever it is that ails you through the power and the majesty of jazz music. In this episode, we are continuing our five-part spotlight on the late, great jazz giant, Wayne Shorter. This is part four of the five-part series, and in this particular episode, we are spotlighting Wayne's consummate sideman roles throughout his recorded history. Um, We have 12 tracks uh, that we have selected that not only shows what a great sideman Wayne was outside of the circles of Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers and Miles Davis's second quintet, <clears throat> but throughout various records recorded by jazz artists and a few other just great musical artists thrown in there. So... We've, we've went in-depth about Wayne's contributions to Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers in that four-year span from, you know, 1959 until 1964. And then we also have talked about, in part two, Wayne's contributions to Miles Davis's second great quintet leading into the fusion era of Miles Davis's output from 1964 until 1970. Then we talked about, in part three, Wayne's co-leading opportunity with keyboardist Joe Zavinul for the groundbreaking fusion band Weather Report. So this is part four in which we are talking about his sideman opportunities besides those outings. Um, I guarantee you there's going to be some Surprises, some familiar tunes, some twists and turns. But regardless, the one thing I can guarantee is that it's going to be great music. So remember, you can find your the Dr. Jazz Podcast wherever you find your podcasts. Amazon Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, etc., etc., etc. Tune in, Podbean. So please share with someone if you think they'll dig it. Remember, we're not making a dime off this. It's a labor of love. So we actually have to pay to upload our podcast onto a platform. So it would be greatly appreciated. So sit back, relax, grab a drink, and let's delve into Wayne Shorter, the consummate sideman, here on the Dr. Jazz Podcast. Enjoy.
All right. Three really cool tunes to start off the whole episode here. Yeah. So, Wayne is an enigma wrapped in a riddle. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, it was known that he would always uh, try to talk in metaphors and in, you know, old film uh, quotes and things like that. So, there you go. So, <laughs> in... Uh, this episode, we are kind of throwing some curveballs at you. So hopefully you're kind of scratching your head going like, wait, I just thought I was going to hear some Freddie Hubbard. No, no. You should know the Dr. Jazz podcast better than that by now. We are going to throw some curveballs at you to keep you on your toes and your ears on your toes or your toes on your ears if you're that flexible. So anyway, uh, we started out with the Steely Dan classic Asia from the album of the exact same name, Asia, uh, which came out in, let's see, September 1977. It was released September 23rd, 1977 by Steely Dan. And, of course, Steely Dan is none other than the band led by Donald Fagan and Walter Becker. Uh, On this track, Asia, Donald Fagan plays... Uh, synthesizer, whistle, and contributes the backing vocals as well as the lead vocals. Um, let's see. Steve Gadd, the great Steve Gadd, is on the drums. Chuck Rainey is on the bass guitar. On all the guitars, you have Denny Diaz, Larry Carlton. That's right. Jazz Crusader, Larry Carlton. And Walter Becker, the co-leader. Speaking of the Jazz Crusaders, on the Fender Roads is Joe Sample. Michael O'Martian on the piano. Victor Feldman is on percussion. That's right, the same Victor Feldman that recorded Seven Steps to Heaven with Miles Davis. <sighs> Timothy B. Schmidt is on the backing vocals. And then the tenor saxophone solo in the middle of the song there. That's our spotlighted artist. The one and only Wayne Shorter. Uh, it's it's just an awesome album. It's an awesome track. And um, there's a little uh, story I've got with this one. So one of my friends um, told me that, you know, he, he him and his wife at the time had a, had a child. And, you know, at that point in time, this is about 15 or so years ago. I don't know. About that. Anyway, could have been 16. But... The point is, is that that was the, the you know, the, with some couples, they like to have birthing music, you know. And so he, he was sharing this story with me because he's a he's a tenor saxophone player. So he's really connected with Wayne and uh, loves some Steely Dan on top of that. So um, it, it was interesting that this whole mixtape or mix CD or playlist or whatever, you know, for the birth of their child. And he said. It was magical because, you know, the mother went into labor and, you know, and before you know it, they, the, the playlist was just on in the room, you know. And as the child came into this world, Asia was playing. But not only was Asia playing, the child came into the world right at Wayne's saxophone solo. So, I don't know... I don't know better entrance music than that into this world. 
Uh, but there you go. So he and his kid is forever uh, tangled, entangled with the great Wayne Shorter and Steely Dan. So that's a cool story. I'm super glad that he shared it with me. Hopefully he doesn't mind me sharing it with every one of y'all as well. Uh, but yeah, Wayne Shorter and Steely Dan. And furthermore, the, uh, another anecdote I want to add real quickly to this uh, track is that they said that, you know, in the studio, you know, Fagan and Becker were known as being absolute perfectionists. No doubt about it. They had a, a vision and a high standard, and they got some of the best musicians around. That's no secret. But they never, you know, uh, they were just kind of in their own orbit and things like that. And the legend goes, they're like, we, this is kind of a... Of a jazz kind of fusion tune you know who could we get to play like a saxophone solo or something like or a solo right there and I think it was Walter Becker that just kind of joked kind of just off the top of his head (laughs) yeah like somebody like Wayne Shorter and they're like could we do that (laughs) so some calls were made and supposedly Wayne said yeah yeah you know sure you know so he comes into the room and they're like the whole vibe of the place snap to attention just due to the massive respect that they had for Wayne Shorter. So they said, you know, that there was no wrinkled T-shirts and slouching over and things like that. Like everybody kind of sat up straight and, 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 you know, and was very attentive. You know what I mean? Just in the respect that Wayne commanded for his musicianship when he entered the studio. So that says something, you know, if, if you're one of these massive perfectionists and you even snap to attention, that means there's something very special about you that commands that kind of, of respect and attention. And I think that's just wonderful because I can't think of anyone better to command that kind of attention and respect than the late, great Wayne Shorter. So even he can even make Donald Fagan and Walter Becker snap to attention and of course it was a really really quick take you know I think it was one or two takes only and yeah and it was just perfection and then he's just like okay you know and I I believe that Wayne said something like just roll the tape and I'm just going to play it so we listened to like the intro up to the part where his solo comes in and then he just nailed it so talk about a, a, a professional yeah All right, so we started out the whole podcast with Asia. The next track that we heard was Away With Words. And that comes off of the John Schofield Verve Records album, Quiet. Yeah, Schofield, right? So um, on this album is, of course, John Schofield on acoustic guitar because this is more of one of his, you know, mellow albums, hence the name Quiet. Um, but it's got Schofield, it's got Steve Swallow on the bass, Bill Stewart on drums, Duduka da Fonseca on drums, and a whole host of great cats. Uh, Roger Rosenberg on bass clarinet, Howard Johnson, Hojo himself on the tuba and berry sax, Lawrence Feldman on alto flute, flute and tenor sax, 
Charles Pillow on alto flute, English horn and tenor sax, Fred Griffin on French horn, John Clark on French horn, Randy Brecker on trumpet and flugelhorn, and of course, our spotlighted artist, the great Wayne Shorter on tenor saxophone. So, yeah, this is a really subdued but nice album. It really is. So, I think it's back from like 1996. Yeah, this is one that kind of gets passed on in a lot of the the used bins. You shouldn't pass on anything, Sco, but this one is really nice. This is a really great album to put on, like with dinner or something, like when you're making like some pasta or something, you know, like frying something up in the kitchen. It's just subdued, you know. So, and then the last track that we heard there was a tune called Be Still. And it comes from the 2001... Herbie Hancock album, Future to Future, which was produced and directed by Bill Laswell, along with Herbie Hancock. And this is not the first time that Laswell and Hancock have worked together. You may remember uh, a series of those records like Sound System, Perfect Machine, and all that that produced great hits like Rocket, you know, and um, in the 80s. And that was Bill Laswell and Herbie Hancock's collaboration then as well. So, um, yeah, th- this is actually a very, un- speaking of, you know, underrated albums, you know, look, it- it's hard when you're one of the best, right? So Herbie Hancock, you know, where do you want to go? All avenues lead to gold, right? Because you've got Taken Off and The Prisoner and Inventions and Dimensions and Imperium uh, Imperian Isles off of the Blue Note catalog. You've got... All the stuff that he did with Miles Davis, with Wayne and Ron and Tony, you know what I mean? And then you've got Herbie Hancock doing the fusion thing with the Headhunters on Columbia Records, such as the Headhunters album, Thrust, all that stuff, you know, Flood. And then, I mean, you have all the the Mwandishi stuff that's just absolutely spacey and terrific. And then, yes, even later on in his career here, he in 2001 and hell let's be honest that was 22 years ago man herbie's just quantum he really is but this track features herbie with one of his best friends which is the great wayne shorter um and the track is the seventh track on the album is called be still and what that harkens back to is um uh a it's a scripture passage, actually, from Psalm 46.10. And what that says is, Be still and know that I am God. And just as a little backstory here, you know, I'm not going to get, you know, hyper-religious on you, but um, that psalm was written in a context that when it was written, it was a time of, of like war and it was a time of trouble. And you should consider that when, you know, you think about that scripture verse. So seeing that, I mean, this is kind of a twofold thing, the point that I'm trying to make here. So seeing that that, that scripture verse was written in a time of trouble and a time of war in 2001, when this album came out, Future to Future by Herbie Hancock, we're talking about uh, a time of 9/11 and all that other stuff, 
But we could even take that exact same message to the stuff that we're going through today. You know what I mean? Talking about global pandemics and, you know, war in Ukraine and all this other stuff. So be still. I know that I am God. And so uh, another thing is that a lot of folks kind of miss, miss kind of characterize that, that, that line, you know, and it, most people think that, you know, um, it means to like relax, but what it actually is saying is besides taking a moment to be thankful for what all we have, um, it isn't always easy, but you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of all things are in God's plan or in God's hands, you know? So, um, so be still doesn't mean like you should like stop or to, you shouldn't, you know, cease and striving to be the best that you can be. You know, it's almost like saying, snap out of it, wake up, stop fearing all of these things. Just be in awe of, of God and know that no matter what your trials and tribulations are, it's all part of a master score or a master plan from the great composer above. So be still and know that I am God. So that's kind of a, of a heavy thing, you know what I mean? Um, but, you know, Herbie and Wayne were both very um, strong practicing Buddhists. So, you know, they were into a lot of the Buddhist scrolls, you know, the whole Nam Myoho Renge Kyo uh, chants and um, willing things to be. And they were very versed in a lot of, you know, uh, scriptures and religions from you know, the Torah, the Bible, the Quran, as well as the B Buddhist scrolls. I mean, so is Coltrane. I mean, enlightenment is enlightenment. So, there you go. Uh, but, yeah, regardless, awesome track. And you wouldn't think a track like that would be one of the things that Wayne would be a part of. But yet, there's Wayne and Herbie on this awesome track uh, produced by Bill Laswell. So... All right, don't forget, you can find all of this info, like the artist info, the track info, the album art, on our website. That's Dr. Jazz Podcast, D-R-J-A-Z-Z, podcast.wordpress.com. And we have everything there in the order in which they are played for each episode of the Dr. Jazz Podcast. Also, remember to share it with anybody you think would dig this podcast. We're just about everywhere you can find your podcast, and we would love uh, some new listeners. It's always wonderful. Um, and, yeah, if you want to contact us, also on the website at the top page, you can hit that contact button, and it will write an email directly to us. So if you have any special Wayne stories that you'd like to share, um, we'd love to hear from you. And or if you just want to just send an email just to say hi, you know, and we will write you back. Might not be immediately. Works kind of crazy, you know, but we will write you back. Guaranteed. So enough talking from me. Let's get to our next set of music. It's going to be just as interesting as the last set. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Wayne Shorter Spotlight here on the Dr. Jazz podcast.
Breaking off the tables, ringing the 
Beautiful yet heavy music. All right. Let's break it down. Um, the very first track that we heard in that set was a tune called Double Image, which uh, is an original composition by the one and only Joe Zavino. Yes, yes. Um, and that comes from Joe Zavino's solo album, just titled Zavinol on Atlantic Records. It came out in 1971, according to this. Produced by Joel Dorn. And this whole album is just full of great, great, great talent. Uh, Joe Chambers, Billy Hart, Jabali himself, and David Lee on percussion. Walter Booker and Miroslav Vitus on the bass. Earl Turbenton on the soprano saxophone, Woody Shaw on the trumpet, George Davis on the flute, let's see, Jimmy Owens on trumpet, Hubert Laws on flute, uh, Wayne Shorter, of course, our spotlighted artist on saxophone, Jack DeJanet is even on melodica and percussion. And then on electric pianos, that's right, plural, Joe Zavino and Herbie Hancock. So this is truly a who's who uh, from 1971. Obviously, Joe gathered a bunch of the talent uh, from Miles's groups, you know, around that same electric period, uh, and some of the, the cats from what would be the start of the Weather Report band, like Miroslav Vitus. Uh, and Wayne, as well as himself. Uh, Double Image was a tune that Miles even recorded in his electric era, so it's only fitting that Wayne played on that track with Joe. But it's a really great listen, the whole album. If you enjoy that early weather report, kind of spacey kind of sound, or some of those spacier Zavinul compositions that Miles performed, you would really, really enjoy this album. It's like a black and white photo of just Joe's like head. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, very underrated album, but a very good album. In the middle of the set, there we heard what might be a familiar track to some of you. It's the one and only Joni Mitchell, and who doesn't love Joni, right? Uh, it comes from her 1979 album. Mingus, to which she um, worked with Mingus, who was ailing and, and, and dying at that point. And uh, he had a lot of like little pieces that he would like sing kind of in a tape recorder or he and send to her or he would sing for her, uh, you know, kind of from his chair. And she would put some words to them. And one of those pieces was the dry cleaner from Des Moines. Now, this track, I understand, uh, has got, garnered a lot of attention from the Shadows and Light video that came out uh, featuring a lot of great talent like Jaco Pastorius, who also plays bass here with this. But for the saxophone solo that was courtesy of Michael Brecker um, on 
that video, that live performance. But this one, the first one, was actually due uh, to Wayne Shorter. Wayne Shorter has a beautiful minimalist kind of solo going on there. Um, and it's really fantastic. It really, really is. So, um, other members uh, on this this album um, are, are just fantastic. Of course, like I said before, Jaco Pastorius is on that from um, on, on the electric bass part. Uh, the words were by Joni. The music was by Mingus, as I stated before. Um, yeah, here we go. Joni Mitchell's on guitar and vocals, of course. Jaco Pastorius is not only on the electric bass, but he provided the horn arrangement for the dry cleaner from Des Moines. Um, Emil Richards was on percussion. Don Elias was on the congas. The one and only Peter Erskine was on the drums. Herbie Hancock was on the electric piano and on the soprano sax. Our man here, Wayne Shorter. So you had half a weather report between Erskine and Pastorius. And then you have, um, no, you had three-fourths. That's right, three-fourths of weather report between Wayne Shorter, Jaco Pastorius, and Peter Erskine. And then you also had Herbie Hancock, which is no slouch. Um, and on top of that, Don Elias. So, yeah, Joni knew what she was doing. There's no doubt about that. Um, yeah, and it's just, this album is full of, full of great, 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 great tracks. Like um, Sweet Sucker Dance, God Must Have Been a Boogeyman. Ah, yeah, A Chair in the Sky. But one of my favorites is the Dry Cleaner from Des Moines, the original version here. And a very poignant closing track to the album, Goodbye Bork by Hat, which of course is a Mingus standard. Uh, but Joni wrote some lyrics to that that are very true to form and very uh, wonderful because it was talking about how... It was, it was talking about the actual... how that tune came about. You know, Charles Mingus writing that tune for Lester Young as he passed away, right after he passed away in 1959, uh, to be a part of his Mingus Um album. So, and then I think the first words of the, the, the song is when Charlie speaks of Lester, you know. So, it yeah, it, this is a really great album. If you haven't listened to Joni Mitchell's Mingus album, do yourself a favor and listen to it. Besides that one track that we heard, The Dry Cleaner from Des Moines. Um, yeah, so Wayne killing it there in a minimalist sort of sense. And then to show kind of another side of that, uh, we heard at the end of that set a track called His Blessings. And it comes from the 1970 Blue Note album Extensions by McCoy Tyner. It closes out the entire album, and we hear Wayne just zip-zagging, zigzagging all through um, with his soprano saxophone. But just a killer, killer, murderer's row of talent on this album. On the drums, the one and only Elvin Jones. On the acoustic bass, hashtag Planet Elegance, all over that, the one, the only Ron Carter. Gary Bartz is on alto sax on this album. Alice Coltrane is on the harp. 
and you hear that beautiful harp at the beginning and the end of that track, really all through. Um, McCoy Tyner, of course, is on the piano, and our man, Wayne Shorter, on tenor and soprano saxophone on this album. But we heard him zigzagging through the, the just with his that unmistakable tone of his throughout the whole track. So, yeah, that's just a beautiful track, and hopefully you dig it as well. So, all right, enough talking from me. I'm going to keep this one short for this uh, set break, or try to. Uh, we've got two more sets coming at you, so don't go anywhere. If you need a refill, go grab yourself another cup of coffee or libation or whatever is your choice whenever you're listening to this. And let's get back to the music.
absolutely. Oh, good, good stuff right there. All right, so that last track that we heard was a tune called Pentecostal Feeling, written by the one and only Donald Byrd from his Blue Note album Freeform from December of 1961. So, yeah, Donald Byrd is on the trumpet. Billy Higgins is on the drums. Butch Warren booming that bass, the one and only Herbie Hancock on piano, and then our featured spotlight artist, the late, great Wayne Shorter, killing it on the tenor saxophone. Yeah, so he recorded this with Donald Byrd at the time when he was a jazz messenger with Art Blakey, which is kind of interesting because Donald Byrd was a, was a jazz messenger as well. So there you go. Yes, absolutely. Then before that, we heard Opus Pocus. That's right. And Bette Midler was not involved. Opus Pocus by the one and only John Francis Pastorius III, better known to jazz fans as Jaco Pastorius, from his self-titled album from 1976. Yeah. Opus Pocus featured Don Elias on percussion, the great Lenny White on drums from Return to Forever, of course, Jaco Pastorius on the fretless electric bass, Leroy Williams and Othello Molino were on steel drums, Herbie Hancock again on Fender Rhodes and electric piano, and on the soprano saxophone, our man Wayne Shorter. This is truly like a who's who of talent on this album. If you've never heard Jaco Pastorius' self-entitled album, do yourself a favor and go listen to that today. Do not co- do not waste time. Do not collect. Go- do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. Just go right to Jaco's album and and listen to it. It's that good. From Sam and Dave doing "Come On, Come Over" to the bass and 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 like Bongo duet on Charlie Parker's Donna Lee to Opus Pocus that we just heard to the beautiful continuum. Like the whole album is just really phenomenal. Uh, And if you have heard it before, then make sure you set aside some time to revisit that because it's, it's really special. So yes. And of course, most of us know that the great Jaco Pastorius was in a little band with Wayne, you know, at that time that he recorded this album, you know, uh, called Weather Report. So, yeah, make sure that if you're not listening to these Spotlight episodes in order that you do so, because it kind of is a flow, so to speak. Uh, remember, this episode is part four of part five. So, yeah. Anyway, then we opened up that set with the one and only, I promised it, I, I foreshadowed it, and hit, and I delivered the one and only great Freddie Hubbard. We heard Marie Antoinette from his Blue Note album, Ready for Freddie, featuring Elvin Jones on the drums, the great Art Davis on bass, McCoy Tyner on the piano, Bernard McKinney on euphonium. That's right, Bernie McKinney on the baritone there, euphonium. The great Freddie Hubbard on trumpet and our spotlighted artist Wayne Shorter on the tenor saxophone. And... This was written, uh, I'm sorry, this was recorded in August of 1961, the exact same year 
that Wayne recorded Pentecostal Feeling with Donald Byrd from his Freeform album. Um, interesting note here, the first track that we heard in that set was a tune called Marie Antoinette, which was actually written by Wayne Shorter. So far, it is the only track in this episode that was written by Wayne Shorter. So, besides being a consummate composer, he was such a great sideman, he could sound and put his individualistic stamp on even other people's tunes so that you undeniably knew that it was Wayne. That's the mark of a, of a jazz genius to me. The individualism, even tra- I mean, transcending through other people's tunes even to impart your individualism onto that track. That's just fantastic. And he did it on both tenor sax and soprano sax. That, that's worth noting as well. You know, it's one thing when it's just one instrument, but to be able to do it for two different kind of timbre sounds, the soprano sax and the tenor saxophone, that's, that's special. It really is. So, um, yeah, remember, you can find the Dr. Jazz Podcast wherever you find your podcast, so please check it out and share it with anybody that you think would dig this podcast. You can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Apple Podcast, Amazon Podcast, TuneIn, Podbean, all those places. We are there. So, uh, also, feel free to check out our website, which is Dr. Jazz Podcast, D R J A Z Z Podcast.wordpress.com. And there you can find out all of the album art, track information, and artists in the order in which they are played for every episode. Plus, you can go to the top, click contact, write us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Tell us some of your favorite Wayne stories or your favorite Wayne songs. And, um, yeah, we will write you back. So, awesome. And if you have an extra minute, I haven't mentioned this, if you have an extra minute and would like to leave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts, we would greatly and gladly appreciate that. So, all right, without further ado, we've got one more great set of music coming at you on this part four spotlight on the late, great Wayne Shorter. This is highlighting Wayne Shorter's role as the consummate sideman that you couldn't ask for better. So, let's get to this last great set of music here on the Dr. Jazz Podcast.
Fantastico. All right, so we opened up that set with a beautiful original composition by our spotlighted artist, the one and only Wayne Shorter. It was a tune called Rio, and it appears on Lee Morgan's 1967 Blue Note album, The Procrastinator, featuring Lee Morgan on the trumpet, Bobby Hutcherson on the vibraphone, Herbie Hancock again on the piano, Ron Carter on the bass, Billy Higgins on the drums, and our spotlighted artist, Wayne Shorter on the tenor saxophone. Beautiful, beautiful tune. In the middle there, we heard the jazz standard, Stella by Starlight, and it comes from the 1979 concert in Japan, Live Under the Sky, by the VSOP band, which is none other than Tony Williams, Ron Carter, Herbie Hancock, Wayne Shorter, no, not Miles Davis, Freddie Hubbard. And it's a two-disc set, but we heard just the opening of Wayne play the opening strains of the first few notes of Stella by Starlight, and the Japanese crowd go crazy. That's the kind of love and respect they had for this band and those standards. And it was just beautiful to hear that interplay between Wayne and Herbie. We ended the set with one of my favorite tunes, The Time of the Barracudas, written by Miles Davis and Gil Evans from the album The Individualism of Gil Evans. And it featured Frank Rehack on the trombone, Julius Watkins and Ray Alonge on the French horns, Bill Barber on the tuba, Wayne Shorter, Al Block, Andy Fitzgerald, George Marge, and Bob Tricarico on the reeds and woodwinds, Bob Maxwell on the harp, Kenny Burrell on guitar, Gary Peacock on the bass, and Elvin Jones on the drums. It was written as a feature for Wayne Shorter. It was a piece written for Peter Barnes' play by the same name, The Time of the Barracudas. Gil Evans recorded again at, with the title General Assembly. So, uh, but Wayne recorded it just under the title Barracudas. Uh, but it is a feature for Wayne Shorter, Kenny Burrell, and Elvin Jones. So, yeah, one of my favorites there. Thank you so much for listening. We're nothing without you, so we do appreciate you. And hopefully you dug a lot of this music. And hopefully we had a couple of surprises for you as well. So, in the famous words of Duke Ellington, you were very gracious, very generous, very beautiful. And we do love you madly. Until next time, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Y'all be good now, because in jazz, we trust.